entering the Freedom Hut. Bernie Sanders' revolution will not be televised. A big win for Joe Biden in Michigan, as well as a handful of other states in mini Super Tuesday yesterday. We'll give you all the latest on that. Plus, coronavirus bailouts are coming, or are they? And Harvey Weinstein gets 23 years in the slammer. That and more coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, team. Appreciate it very much. We have a lot to discuss, uh, including some big changes in the political scene or perhaps the impending change, the imminent change of a Bernie Sanders candidacy that, if it doesn't drop out, it might as well. We're certainly close to that point. Big win last night for Joe Biden. No two ways about it. He won Michigan, where Bernie actually squeaked out a victory against Hillary Clinton in 2016. So Michigan was supposed to be Bernie town, man. He was supposed to do great there, but nope. And sure enough, some of the early polls that we had seen in the Democrat primary that showed African-American primary voters overwhelmingly supporting Joe Biden, turned out that is that is the case. It wasn't just in the polls. That is the reality. Bernie Sanders does not do well with minority voters, and he did horribly in Mississippi, uh, got absolutely crushed in Mississippi, uh, lost substantially in Michigan. It was just not a good night for for Bernie Sanders. That much is for sure. And now now we'll, we'll go into what's happening right now. You're, you're seeing this transition because the Bernie Sanders revolution will not be televised. It's not going to happen. It's a fun song, by the way. If you have, or it's a good song, I should say. If you haven't heard that one, you can go check that one out. The revolution will not be televised. Uh, the left, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, which looked like it was in the driver's seat for the first time, perhaps since FDR's era, right? The progressive wing of the Democrat Party thought that this was their election to lose, and now it looks like they've already lost it. So they're having a bit of a pity party right now. They're a little bit upset. And so in the spirit of bathing in the tears of the leftist opponents in our politics, I want to work through or talk through some of the some of the most uh, most delicious moments of of outrage and and oh no what happens. And we're talking about Michigan, we're talking about progressives. Who comes to mind more for the insane left than a documentary filmmaker, a propagandist, actually, by the name of Michael Moore, who I think said it quite well last night. Producer Mark, play clip 19, please. What is Bernie Sanders looking at? So far, we haven't seen turnout among young people like he has had expected. Who who are his people in Michigan? Bernie's people are the people who are filled with an incredible, profound sense of despair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they are. A profound sense of despair. And I laugh at it because what they despair over 
is nonsensical. There are real things to be concerned about. You'll notice Bernie supporters don't despair over communities that have suffered horrific loss and been hollowed out by the opioid epidemic. That's not, I'm sure that they oppose that, but that's not something that gets a lot of, a lot of attention from them. What do they despair over? Corporations, man, and like public, like just getting bought by the billionaires, man, and like, you know, like the college should be free and like my health care should be free and, you know, power to the people, feel the burn, man. That's what they despair over. Nonsense. They're trying to elevate a guy who's been saying the same thing for 50 years in American politics and who's been wrong for all 50 of them. And this this raises then the question, and I, I have to give credit to uh, to the one and only Tucker Carlson last night who di- who talked about this on his show. Uh, is Bernie is Bernie really supposed to lose? And I don't just mean has the DNC establishment made sure that it was harder for Bernie to win than it should have been, which is definitely what's gone on here. This is like in the movie Gladiator, where you know when Maximus is is fighting against. That guy they bring out of retirement, not the emperor Commodus at the very end, although it's kind of a similar situation. But, you know, they, they put him in the arena, but all of a sudden the tigers that are around them get get closer and closer. They, they loosen the slack on the chains of the tigers in the Colosseum so they can get after Maximus. But then when the guy he's fighting, uh, I think it's Titus of Gaul was the guy's name. That's how many times I've seen the movie. I even remember that character's name. Uh, when, the, when the tigers get close to him, you know, they, they pull back on it. That's kind of what the DNC has done. They had to make it look legit, but at key points, they made sure that one side was getting a little bit of extra help and the other side was getting the opposite of help. Bernie Sanders was getting the opposite of help. But was this the way it was always supposed to be, even for Sanders? You would have to wonder, given how much he has been, let's just say it, screwed over by the establishment. You'd have to wonder at what point does Sanders decide that he's going to go hard in the paint, as the kids say. I think the kids say that, basketball reference. At what point do they does he decide, do, do his supporters see somebody who is engaged in the fight against his own party? He doesn't have another election. I mean, I think even the left recognizes Bernie at age 82, 83, too old to run for the presidency again. I think, although I can't guarantee, I think they would understand that. So it was now or never. And you have to ask the question. This is what I think Tucker got to last night. Was it always supposed to be never? Is Bernie Sanders' whole shtick that he gives voice to this progressive impulse in the Democratic Party and that he's able to move policy. See, I still think the Democrats are more far left they've ever been, more socialist than they've ever been. But was Bernie just playing along? Was he never really supposed to win? Even in his own mind, this was all about making the case. Because it creates this perception that the Democratic Party is somehow not that far left. Oh, look, they chose Joe Biden, not Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden is, compared to the Democratic Party of... (coughs) 10 or 20 years ago, very far left because he goes wherever the party goes. So he's just a vessel, and we'll talk more about that. He, he's a vessel for the modern Democratic, the contemporary Democratic Party's goals. Bernie Sanders gives voice to what the party wants, but he's never actually going to be allowed to win because he's not connected enough in the power circles. 
You see, Biden appeals to the Silicon Valley billionaire who writes checks to all these far left radical websites, you know, supports them, uh, makes sure that there's plenty of money going to these radical candidates, but also is going to insist at the end of the day that like the Democrats don't touch stuff that matters to him. Right. That, that they'll be able to you know, they'll, they'll keep uh, the, the billionaire. There won't be a wealth tax. You know, they'll, they'll keep in place these advantages for the ultra wealthy. Biden understands that that's the deal. The Democrats pretend to care about the poor. They really just want to take more money from the working people, from the middle class. They want to pull the ladder up after they've risen. That's that's a, a classic elite Democrat mindset. You know, I'm rich now, so I'm going to stop other people from getting rich because I want them to be the ones that have to carry the poor, the indigent, the needy, the despondent, the depressed, the whatever on their backs. That's the Democrat mentality, right? People that aren't uh, people that have already been able to have the right to rise for themselves seek to prevent that from happening for others and feel good about themselves in that process by pretending that they're the ones that are waging class warfare on behalf of the poor. Oh, they care so much about the poor. These people don't live in poor neighborhoods. Their kids don't go to school with poor kids. They don't spend any time around poor people. All they do is virtue signal, and it's crap. But Biden understands that that's the game. Biden, the lackey of the credit card companies for how many decades, and as as I've explained to you, credit card companies have engaged in practices that if you did it as a private citizen in a business transaction, you might go to prison. But they got very powerful lobbyists, very powerful friends in D.C. It's just a giant money-making machine. Their best clients are the clients who end up paying interest to them, who are the people that are often in the most difficult financial situations. Just keep them them on that treadmill, just paying down those – not even paying down, just staying with those high-interest payments year after year, year after year. That's what the credit card companies want practically commonplace now to have a 30, a 30%, 29% APR absurd. Joe, Bi- Joe Biden is no friend of the poor. We all know this, but he'll pretend. Bernie Sanders was there to act like there's some voice calling out the truth of the Democratic Party, but doesn't it all feel like kabuki theater now? Doesn't it all just feel like a sham? It's not serious. They were never going to let Bernie really win. And and here's here's what I would have to say. Where's the real anger at the Democratic establishment from Bernie? Why doesn't he go after Hillary for being deeply corrupt? He wouldn't do it then. Why doesn't he go after Biden for being clearly on the precipice of limited mental faculties? Why doesn't he bring this up? Now, maybe you could say because Bernie Sanders is really old, too. Hey, Bernie Sanders sounds a lot. Do you hear me making the case day after day that Bernie Sanders sounds like he doesn't know what's going on? That would be unfair. He does sound like he knows what's going on. His physical health, given he had a heart attack six months ago and he won't release his medical records. Okay, that's that's a grounds for concern. But I, I don't come here saying, oh, Bernie Sanders, you know, he's clearly on the borderline borderline for dementia. And any journalist, by the way, that's now saying, oh, it's so mean to say this about Biden. Look back at what the big journos at the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN and elsewhere. Look back at how they talk about Ronald Reagan. They'll they'll say that Ronald Reagan was suffering from Alzheimer's, you know, for all eight years and that he was completely demented and has no, you know, suffering from dementia, has no idea what's going on. Um, That's what they'll say. They're, they're, They're horrific 
about Ronald Reagan, and they'll go specifically after his mental health, his mental faculties. But now they're going to – the rules always change depending on whatever they need. But where was the fight? Where was the fire in the belly from Bernie Sanders? Oh, sure, a lot of millionaires and billionaires, and we're going to have a revolution in this country, and we're going to take it to a place where a democracy is not for sale. And then they all turn on him. The Democrat apparatus, the media, they all decide that, you know, this is not going to happen because it's not good for the interests of the powerful within the Democratic Party. And does he have any harsh words for them? Uh, I mean, here's here's a Bernie Sanders. Here's about as tough as Bernie Sanders gets in this. Play 11. You're going to need the primaries on one thing. Primaries on one thing. And you're right, obviously. But we need them to show up in the general election. Does anyone really believe? I want you know, let me throw it out to you. You know this stuff. That a campaign like Joe's, which is frankly the same old, same old establishment politics supported by the wealthy. And and I know they got all the governors and the senators supporting them. Does anybody really think that that is going to be the campaign of excitement and energy that's going to grow the base that we need to defeat Trump? I don't think so. I say that honestly as a friend of Joe's. That's as tough as he gets. I'm a a friend of Joe's. I don't want to be mean. But uh, clearly, he's a corporate hack. and y- Yeah, I mean, how about say it? Your supporters, they- they've been backing you and looking like a bunch of lunatics now for years, really decades, but years Bernie's been in the national spotlight. Don't you owe it to them, Bernie, to speak the truth about what's happened here? This was a DNC coup against you. You got nothing? Nothing you want to say about this? Oh, no, he's, he's really super-duper fired up. Play clip 10. The reason, you know, I'm very proud of the campaign that we are running. I'm proud of the fact that we are bringing people together. I'm proud of the fact that we have come this far, uh, taking on Wall Street, who is now emptying their checkbooks to Joe Biden, uh, taking on the healthcare industry, who are putting a lot of money into negative uh, TV ads. We're taking them all on. But at the end of the day, I think the American people understand not only do we have to beat Donald Trump, who's the most dangerous president in modern American history, we've got to do more than that. We really do. So many people in Michigan and Vermont all over this country are working for starvation wages. People can't afford health care. They can't afford to send their kids to college. This country is giving tax breaks to billionaires, and yet you've got a half a million people sleeping out on the streets. Half of our people are living paycheck to paycheck. That's not right. That is not right. We can do a lot better, and if we stand together, we will do a lot better. It just sounds like he's happy to pack it up and say, you know, see you later. Sure, he'll still campaign, and he's raised all this money. They'll go through all the motions, but revolutionary? Please. Bernie Sanders didn't really want to be president. That's that's really what we figured out. The same way that Elizabeth Warren is a huge fraud. And at the key moment, the critical juncture, when when Miss Fake Pocahontas herself, Elizabeth Warren, could have come forward, could have come forward and helped Bernie Sanders, she refused to do it. Refused to do it. I thought she cared so much about progressive values. I thought it really mattered to her. Oh, you mean she won't step forward and help Bernie Sanders, the, the way that all the other candidates fall in line behind Biden, because she's a fraud. Now Bernie Sanders, we see, has had the DNC coup happen, effectively, right? They, they, they 
let let the chains on the Tigers loose, and they took him down in the arena. And instead of turning around and saying, "I want to," you know, this is on, this is not right. I want another fight. I want another match. We got to do, you know. It's just, yeah, we all know this is the way it was supposed to happen, right? Part of me is happy because socialism has lost, but part of me is upset too because I wanted to see if they were real, if they were for real about this. And after this, you'd have to think it was really just all a big con run by Bernie Sanders, wasn't it? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. One thing that I do, that I am concerned about um, overall, 100% legitimately is in our climate. And um, I'm legitimately concerned about uh, fossil fuels. I'm legitimately concerned about what this means for a just transition. I'm legitimately concerned about what this means for carbon emissions. Um, and we're going to have to organize a lot. Um, there are there are many, many issues where people's lives are on the line, whether it's pursuing decarceral policy, whether it's making sure that we have humanity at our border, whether it's um, you know, making sure that women have access to reproductive, not just women, all people um, have access to reproductive health care. All of these things are life and death issues, but the scale and the feedback and the irreversible nature of climate change is something that I think we all need to really pay a lot of close attention to. Yeah, uh, I know that's a bunch of blather. You're probably saying, Buck, why do you make me sit through that? Because this is the moment when the progressive left knows they're going to have to eat their peas. Eat that, you know, steamed cauliflower with nothing else. Eat the stuff you don't want to eat, whatever it may be. For producer Mark, apparently, it's oatmeal raisin cookies. The progressives are going to have to just, just suck it up and deal with it. All the stuff about how the world's going to end, by the way, Joe Biden's not going to do anything on climate. It's never going to happen. They all know it. He talks a big game. He's not going to do it. He likes corporations too much. He likes big fat cats with fancy golf courses. He's not going to do anything about it. So guess what? Now they're all going to forget that the world was going to end if Trump became president because of climate change. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because one of the weaknesses of saying, hey, return to Obama years is that there are many Americans that were getting left behind in those years, too. And they're pissed off. Yep. And so if you just say, hey, I'm going to re- revert, that loses to at least among that group of people. I agree. There are so many Americans who just don't think that our institutions are working for them at all. And Joe Biden's big weakness is that he represents those institutions. Wow. Joe Biden represents the institutions that aren't helping people out. That's And yet Andrew Yang on CNN also... Endorse Joe Biden. Oh, that's now we see it. Everybody, everybody's got to get on board. They know they've got no choice. And we are going to be subjected to another round. They, they have fundamentally the media, the Democrats, they have learned nothing. They have changed nothing from 2016. Let's just do a, a quick recap here for a second. In 2016, it was the Democrat Media Alliance that presented Hillary Clinton as somebody who hadn't done anything wrong. There was nothing wrong with her use of the email server. 
Uh, she wasn't lying about it in the early days when she still thought she could get away with it. She wasn't destroying evidence that was under subpoena in the early days when she thought she could get away with it. They just acted like there was nothing to see there. <laughs> nothing to see. Even though she had violated the Espionage Act over 100 times when all was said and done. Although they didn't charge her. Even though in the statute it says recklessness. And over 100 instances of violation like this for the, the Secretary of State. If that's not recklessness, there's no such thing as recklessness. But James Comey, doing his duty for the country, I'm sure he would tell you now, that sanctimonious blankety-blanking-blank, blank, uh, told us that, oh, no, it was, it was very careless or whatever he said. You know, extremely careless, but not reckless. And everything was supposed to be fine. And as I said to you all along, I, I was frustrated with this. The, the, the truth of the email server was not hammered home enough, which was that Hillary needed control over her unclassified email entirely because all it would take would be one person to send her a, hey, you know, the shake gave the Clinton Foundation a check for like $5 million and he expects a meeting with you, Miss Secretary of State. All it takes is one email like that. And she's got a big problem. And that's what she was doing all the time. We know the Clinton Foundation was a slush fund. So it actually makes sense from her perspective. I got to keep all my unclassified emails in a place where I get to control what's seen and not seen. That's why she did it. It wasn't just a convenience thing. We're not all morons. Although that was, bring, bring it back to what we were being told. Nope, no problem. And now people say, if it wasn't for Hillary's emails, she would have won. If it wasn't for Hillary's emails, she should have been criminally prosecuted. She was running as somebody who had committed a crime against the uh, under the Espionage Act, under federal statute. That was the Democrat candidate the last time around, and they normalized the whole thing, right? Oh, there's nothing to see. You know, James Comey decided that he apparently runs the Department of Justice because he gave the speech about non-prosecution. FBI director doesn't make dis- uh, doesn't make prosecutorial decisions like that. It's up to the, it's up to prosecutors. That's why the the names in the word. So that's go back and look at this. This is this is absurd, right? This is completely insane. And people say, oh, she's the most qualified ever. And she's going, hello, I like people. I'm Hillary. And everyone's like, oh, you're horrible. But yeah, yeah, she's great. Vote for her for president. Sure. That's what they were told to do. They had their marching orders. You were seeing a similar thing now uh, happen with with Joe Biden. Uh, it's just going to be the anti-Trump campaign. And they're going, I mean, it's it's true right now that the government is I mean, that the uh, the campaign is trying to cut him off from the public and the media will be sort of his uh, queen regent you know you, you know when like uh, the ruler is too young to actually rule and there's somebody who's older who's in charge until that person ascends to the throne the media is going to be walking around as Biden's you know as Biden's protector as doing everything that can you're going to see a total shift in tone no more investigative pieces on on Biden or Burisma or anything. Not that there were any really to begin with, but from the Democrat media, it's going to be all hands on deck. Think about what they've already been willing to do to try to take Trump down. It's going to be all hands on deck to defend Biden and trash Trump. And they realize that they're already at a max. I mean, they, they can't really hit the accelerator anymore on the trash Trump truck. It's quite an alliteration. But they really won't be able to go any further than that. They're, they're doing everything they can, right? They just went through a ridiculous, a joke of an impeachment that nobody even remembers. That's how dumb it was. 
oh, and they did that while we were finding out about coronavirus and the executive branch was trying to take steps. But Congress was in the midst of an impeachment, a stupid, reckless, childish, dishonest impeachment. Thank you, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So there's plenty that we've already seen from the Democrats when it comes to their willingness to do anything to trash Trump, to take Trump down and to, and to back Joe Biden. But you are going to see stuff that will be absolutely uh, mind boggling. And you will see people that know better, but they want to be part. They want to be part of the winning team. And they know that even at this point, if Trump were to win, if you don't support Biden, you're not going to be in favor for the Democratic Party going forward because the the, the progressive wing, the progressive wing looks like a joke right now. It's not. There's been the movement of Bernie Sanders has infected much of the rest of the Democratic Party. He's just not allowed to be in charge. They're going to bring up a new generation. They're going to bring up AOC and Buttigieg and others. Beto O'Rourke, you're still going to be hearing about that guy. The progressives are ascended, but they're not allowed to be in charge yet. This is the same intergenerational battle for control you see playing out in a lot of industries and a lot of places. Right? People who are in their in their late 60s, early to mid to late 70s don't want to hand over the reins of power for major institutions in government and the private sector to people who are in their 40s and 50s. They don't want to do it. But it's going to happen. Bernie Sanders doesn't have the time to continue to be the leader of his party. So th- this issue is not over, but for the next election, come on. Who's it really going to be? Who Who's going to be the progressive standard? They're going to try Elizabeth Warren again? Uh, I don't think anybody who has been paying attention thinks Elizabeth Warren is truly a committed progressive. She's just a fraud, like she's always been. A fraud. Um, even Andrew Yang, though, who is a, comes across, as I've always said, and I know people boo me whenever I say something nice about a Democrat, but there are nice things about Democrats. I have friends who are Democrats. You know, I don't know what to say. I've dated Democrats. Not recommended, but I've done it. Uh, here's what Andrew Yang says about Joe Biden at this point. Play clip one, Bruce Mark. I believe that Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee, and I've always said I'm going to support whoever the nominee is, so I hereby am endorsing Joe Biden to be not just the nominee for the Democratic Party, but the next president of the United States. And I say this, uh, having supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, Bernie was an inspiration for me, inspired my run, uh, but the math says Joe is our prohibitive nominee. We need to bring the party together. Uh, We need to start working on defeating Donald Trump in the fall. I've had many personal conversations with Joe about the impact of the fourth industrial revolution on the middle class. I believe that he's the right man for the job to help us not just defeat Donald Trump, but govern the country in the years ahead. Doing a lot of work there with that analysis. I mean, the math says we got to support him, but I mean, I also think he's great. But let's be honest, the math says I got to support him. So here we are. Andrew Yang, a guy who's a, a man of the left. Another progressive falling in line behind Joe Biden. They're all going to, everyone's going to fall in line behind Joe Biden. All this stuff about the Sandernistas not going to vote for the Democrat, going to stay home, whatever. Please. They all, they hate Trump so much. They're going to show up and vote for anybody. They're going to, and Joe Biden is anybody. Joe Biden is the default candidate. He has been all along. That's why I thought Democrats, they got to have something better than this. I overestimated the Democrats' abilities. I overestimated their nomination process and their ability to learn lessons of the past in what world i mean the only let's let's be real about this let's be honest about this the only way that you have that you should expect a different result in the upcoming 
2020 election than what happened in the 2016 election, where we have Biden swapped in for Hillary Clinton, is if this coronavirus does spread out of control and cause huge economic dislocations, cause a recession, and all of a sudden Trump's record can be attacked. It's unfair. I know Trump. it's not Trump's fault that the Wuhan virus is going to decimate our economy, but if that happens then we're we're going to be in for quite a fight or we should we should have different look no one knows what's going to happen you know i always say that and i admit that but we're going to be in for a real fight and we should expect one it's going to be razor thin if that happens uh for trump to get reelected because a lot of people are going to say hold on a second i i signed on you know people that are ideologically conservative can point to the judges can point to the secure borders can point and say hey hold on we're getting a lot here from trump he's done a lot of really good things but people that just want to know about the here and now, what the what have you done for me lately attitude, that becomes the the dominant theme of so much of the Biden campaign's anti-Trump efforts. They'll say, hey, yeah, you had a good stock market for a few years there. You had really low unemployment, but look how things are going now. Be scared, be scared, be scared. Vote Biden. That's what they're going to do. But short of that, and I, I by the way, I, I don't think that that's where we're heading. Um, I'm and I put my money where my mouth is. I'm betting on America. Every time I see an opportunity now, now granted I'm a long-term guy, but I'm I'm betting on America every day. I'm like, oh, I, I I this is a great American company with you know fantastic long-term prospects. You know, buying stock is a way of supporting them. Same thing I always tell you about this show. Whenever you go to one of our advertisers, you're supporting this show. That is a that is a vote for support of this show. When you type in the little buck promo code or whatever it is. You're saying, I want the Buck Saxon show to stay on air, and I want that show to grow and more people to hear it. Stock market's kind of like that sometimes. When you're buying American companies, you're saying, yeah, I, I believe in this place. I believe in this. You can just buy indexes, right? You can buy uh, the S&P. You can buy the overall the overall market or or sectors of markets and say, I think this. I think America's going to pull through, and we're going to be stronger on the other side of this. And I'm not telling you to do that, but that's where I am. That's what I think. And I never give financial advice on this show. Uh, there are other shows that do that, that from what I understand, give the same financial advice every night. But anyway, uh, th- this is where this is where I just think that it's so important we all live in reality and understand that Joe Biden is has never been a and never been a top political contender in the past. He's never been somebody who's impressive. And this guy's whole life has just been about doing whatever he has to do to continue to build the Biden political brand. He doesn't really stand for anything. He doesn't really care. It's not about public service. It's just about how does Joe Biden, you know, get to the next level in politics or stay in the case of the Senate exactly where he is. That's what it's always been about, you know? It's it's about him. So you're going to hear all this happy talk about how Joe Biden's this great guy and he's fantastic and all this other stuff from people who quite honestly know better. They know better, but they're they're going to pretend anything to take down Trump. Before I, I've got some more of, of the Biden fallout from yesterday when he had that disastrous exchange with the uh, union auto worker. But before we get to that, I, I Tulsi Gabbard. I know, I know, Tulsi. I should we should I mean I have probably now easy to get her on the show. She's about to be ousted from the campaign. Uh, we should probably get her on. I'd be I'd be interested to talk to her. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, has also been very poorly treated. All the, the Trump tweets on this stuff on Bernie and 
and the DNC are correct, and, and everything that we see with Tulsi Gabbard, it's also true. They're just, they, they change the rules. And now you could say they're allowed to change the rules, they make up the rules. Okay, but when you're changing rules in a game as you go along to benefit one person and hurt another person, that is rigging the game. That's what it is. So they've rigged this against Tulsi Gabbard, and uh, she's been talking about this. Uh, I've got to say, I think it's pretty funny um, that no one in the in the so-called journalistic establishment is willing to speak the truth about this, which is that CNN, the DNs, uh, CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post are effectively appendages of the DNC. They they do the Democrats' work for them all the time. They they are allied, ideologically allied, push activism in favor of the Democrat political party and the Democrat National Committee and its apparatus. That is the truth. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. But when it comes to actually making sure that in this presidential primary that the only woman candidate left in the race, the only woman of color and the first female combat veteran ever to run for the presidency has a voice, the DNC and their corporate media partners say, no, thanks. That is what they say. I mean, is there is there anybody who wants to argue with that? She, do you even hear about them, uh, about the Democrats describing how they have you know, the, the last a female in the race. She is a, a woman of color. She is a combat veteran. No enthusiasm from, from the establishment Democrats about her candidacy whatsoever. And she's a, she's liberal. She's f- pretty far left. No enthusiasm about her whatsoever. I, I think it's remarkable. I have some ideas as to why this is, but I really haven't heard the most compelling. They talk about the meeting with Assad. Uh, Democrats don't. Democrats don't. First of all, Democrats don't care about Syrians. They don't care about the carnage in Syria in any meaningful way. It was only useful to them when they thought that they could say, oh, my gosh, the Kurds, the genocide of the Kurds. There have been genocides going on in Syria for years now, including many years under Obama's watch. You didn't hear a lot of crying from libs about that, did you? Because these people are shameless. Doesn't matter what the body count is. Doesn't matter what's happening. Is this useful for our pursuit as libs, as Democrats of power? Is it useful? The answer is no, they don't care. They just don't care if the answer is yes well then oh my gosh this is the most important thing ever do you realize that there was a a tiny village outside of a slightly larger village in a corner of northeastern syria where there were three brave kurdish fighters killed by you know turkish military last week and everyone oh you know msnbc and a morning show good heavens this is the end of all american dignity and and pride on the global stage these people are idiots they're idiots. They don't know anything. Except they know that they're supposed to do with their paymasters and the people that are the gatekeepers that put them in positions that are elevated that they should never have been in the first place. This is what they want them to say, so they say it. And Tulsi Gabbard doesn't play that game well enough. They don't like her. Tulsi Gabbard doesn't hate conservatives enough. They don't like her. She's a woman of color, but not in a way that is useful to the Democratic Party. Right, because she, uh, she, she is not Latino. She is not African American. So they approach this as well. You know, there are some backgrounds that are more exciting to the Democratic establishment to support in politics than others. And so somehow she doesn't get counted as a person of color, even though she is. 
What are the rules, Democrats? I just want to know. Please try to explain them to me. Oh, yeah, and while you're doing that, Democrats, um, do define what a woman is for me. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It was Biden's throwdown with an auto union worker that got a majority of the big headlines yesterday other than coronavirus-related stuff. And I th- we, we played, right, Mark? We played yesterday a version of it. It was really hard to hear. Better audio of this exchange emerged. And so I wanted to play it for you and then also just do the aftermath analysis of this because this turns into a perfect example of so many things that Joe Biden isn't very bright, that Joe Biden doesn't know very much, that he's kind of nasty and aggressive with people for no apparent reason, even when he knows there's cameras everywhere and he's supposed to be winning votes. And uh, then the Joe Biden, uh, you know, industrial media complex goes to work. Oh, yeah, that was great what he did. That was super smart. Joe Biden's real smart. It's great. Uh, Here is the better version. We'll play the whole thing for the better version of the audio of the exchange. Play it, Mark. And you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our gun. You're full of All right, thank you. Shush. Shush. I support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in Beto, no, when you said you're going to take our guns, I did not what? say that. That's yeah. not true. I Thanks. did not say that. It's a viral video. Well, it's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply a lie. Your voice, you said that you're taking the gun. Oh, no, he Beto. just cleared. So I, you could really hear it better that time. That's why I want to, and because everyone's now focused in on this, because this shows you, this is who the Democrats are holding up as a return to normalcy, adult governance, a steady hand on the wheel of America's destiny, blah, 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 all this crap, right? This is the guy they're offering up for all of that. All right, well, let's just work through this, shall we? He starts off, he's asked a question about, by very, very good question, about why union workers who believe in Second Amendment rights should support Joe Biden. And he, within moments of the question, I mean, within like the first couple sentences, starts saying, I'm uh, hunting. I've been hunting before, and my, my sons have guns. And, you know, the Second Amendment, any, anybody who, when the Second Amendment comes up, starts talking about hunting shotguns, does not know what the heck they're talking about. That's a, it's a rule. It's just a rule. You just know this right away. The second someone starts saying, oh, I believe that, you know, hunters and sportsmen, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with shooting clay pigeons or real pigeons. Nothing to do with it. All right. The Second Amendment is about a defense against government tyranny by an armed citizenry, which also is the same right that you have to defend yourself, your home and your family. The basic human right of self-defense. 
right? So that's what the Second Amendment's about. That, that is why it exists. It does not exist so that people can go grouse shooting on the weekend, although some of you may really enjoy that, and that's fine. All right. That's one big problem with Biden's response here. Uh, two is when he says that he did not say that. Uh, yes, he did. Yes, in fact, Joe Biden very much did say uh that he was going to, he said he was going to have Beto, who said he wants to take away AR-15s, in charge of it. This is the last few weeks. And when Anderson Cooper asked him if people should be concerned when he said he's coming for their guns, he said, you know, heck yeah, they should be on CNN. I've seen the clips. They exist. They are real. He has said that. Uh, so he's, he's, he's wrong on that. He's obviously wrong about AR-14s. Yet again, you don't have to know anything. If you're a lib and you want to ban guns, you're just allowed to just allowed to say stupid stuff. But guns bad. That's all you have to know. Guns bad. Uh, so he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Then he asked the guy if he wants to go outside. This is the this is the steady hand, folks. Remember, Trump is so mean, and Trump says mean things at rallies, and Trump says the press are the enemy of the people, and wah, all that stuff. And yet, Joe Biden, when he's asked a normal question by a, by a possible voter. Uh, who is not not a Trump supporter, from what I understand. He was on Fox and Friends this morning. I saw an interview with him, and he's like, I'm not telling you who I vote. I think he said he didn't vote for Trump the last time, and he wasn't going to say who he was going to vote for this time. So this is Joe Biden's opportunity to show that he's the cool, calm, collected, cerebral, thoughtful statement that the libs are all going to pretend he is. They're just going to say, you know, who do you believe, me or your lying eyes? This is one of the one of the key elements. I mentioned Orwell's 1984 to yesterday, which is, you know, I'm, a, I'm like I'm like a 1984 book salesman here. I'm always trying to tell people you have to read it. You have to read it. And you read it more than once. You have to read this book. You have to understand why it had so much impact. But one of the most important tenets of, of Big Brother is to get you to not. And there's even a quote. I'll find it later. But to get you to forget what your ears hear, forget what your eyes see. You must believe what we tell you. That's what the media is going to do with Joe Biden. It's going to be big brother for Biden. Oh, how, how dare you think that Joe Biden looked like a moron? He did. He looked like a total moron in this exchange, a reckless idiot. And it, he's moving. This isn't like it was an offhand moment. He's having a beer with the guys after work or something. By the way, some people got all mad at me because I said I didn't I don't always like that tactic that James O'Keefe uses. Uh, okay, so let's just remember this. When one of my friends is a conservative, when one of the lib journos out there start trying to get, because you know they want to get us all fired, they start sending people to have off-the-record you know, social conversations with people who work in media, and they start taping them, and the moment they say something embarrassing or they complain about their employer, they put it out on the news. I'm going to be consistent. All these other, oh, investigative journalism. It's not investigative journalism to get somebody to say their boss is doing a crappy job and, you know, they loosen up their tie and say, yeah, journals are a bunch of jerks and clowns. We all know that. So Sorry. I know people sometimes, well, you want to believe certain things, you know, and I'm, I'm all about owning the libs, but doing so in an honorable way. And I'm saying some of what James does is very good. Some of it I don't really like. And I'm honest about that. And if we get James on the show again, I'll say that to him. And he can explain to me how it's useful to get people on tape complaining about their bosses and then getting them suspended or fired. That, 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 that by, by pretending to be somebody that just wants to have like a friendly conversation. You know, investigative journalism where you're like talking about the sale of human body parts. Yes, absolutely. Necessary. Good. Investigative journalism where we're just getting lib journos to say stupid things and then put it on TV. Hmm. 
Anyway, but Biden wasn't off the clock. Biden wasn't somebody who you would think would speak in a way that could hurt him under these circumstances because everyone's holding, you know, cameras out and iPhones and all this stuff. It's 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 crazy. Then he says, you're able to own a machine gun. You're able to own a machine gun. The answer is yes, you dope. You are able to own a machine gun under the circumstances of getting an FFL license. You have to pay, I think it's, oh, I see what, I hate saying it because whenever I say whether it's, you know, like 50, you're going to write me like, excuse me, Buck, it's not $500, it's $300, the FFL. <laughs> I've had one for 30 years. All right, I, I'm not sure how, I don't have one. It's New York, so I'm not going to get one. Uh, but, you know, you, you can get an FFL license from the federal government. But then you'd have to be in compliance also with state and local laws about firearms. Nonetheless, uh, you can own a machine gun. It's just you need a special permission to do it. But the more important point is that there is a difference in firing mechanism between a machine gun and an AR-15. There is no difference in firing mechanism between a common semi-automatic hunting rifle and an AR-15. So how are you making that distinction? And that's when he also then brings up uh, handguns versus assault rifles. As we know, handguns are far more... 90% plus of homicides with, with firearms involve handguns, not rifles or shotguns. And then he brings up 100 rounds, which is just, they're not trying to say you can't have 100 rounds. They're trying to say you can't have 15. You can't have 10. All right, so let, let's at least have the conversation where it's happening. They're, they're not banning 100-round drums. That's not what libs are really trying to do. Libs are trying to ban 15-round magazines, standard for like a Glock 19. They don't want you to have that. No, no that's so bad. And they want to send you to prison, too, if they have to, in order to make the case. So Biden looked like a, like a total moron in all of this. What do you think the response was? I mean, it's really hard. I just walked you through. He was wrong, 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 acting like a jerk. What do you think the response was? Well, we could first have Joe Biden's response when he's asked about this. And this is the most telling of all in some ways. Play clip six. President, on the coronavirus, we're targeting over this exchange this morning with the voter about guns. Any press about how you handle it? Well, I'm surprised that uh, Sanders is joining Trump. You know, I, I, it's just surprising. Wasn't it appropriate to swear at an American, though, especially a union voter? Well, I'm surprised um, Bernie and Trump. Um, I'm I'm being honest. That was Joe Biden, the press, asking a question. He answered it like somebody who really needed a blanket and his sippy cup and a long nap. Let's 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 keep it real. That is what that sounded like. That is what it looked like in the video too. I'm surprised that you know Bernie. Bernie's older than Biden. Bernie looks like he's got a lot more energy, a lot more pep in the step. He does. And Trump is not even close. I mean, I, you know, I think I think Trump could sit down here and do a six-hour radio show with his eyes closed. We all know he could, right? And sound like he's got a ton of energy the whole time. It's just different. You know, Biden, Biden's, he's not there. He hasn't got it. They want to pretend like it's something other than what it is. And we all see it. But if you're talking about pretending like it's something else, you can't do any better than looking at what the media response to this has been. Oh, conservatives pounce, but Joe Biden did a great job. We need more of this from Joe Biden. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Chuck Schumer, for example, he, uh, he weighed in on this and didn't hear am I crazy. Well, I thought I thought it was Chuck Schumer that weighed in on this. I'm a, no, he he weighed in on the coronavirus. I'm sorry. Um, Joe Joe Scarborough weighed in on this one. Here's an example of what I was talking about. And uh, here's here's what he says. Play clip twenty. 
When you listen to Joe, when you see Joe now in the past 10 days, two weeks out on the campaign trail, you see something that resonates with voters. And it's pretty simple. It's humanity. It's empathy. It's stability and experience. Talk, talk, let's talk yeah, about humanity, Mike, and talk about that moment where somebody made the mistake of saying he was going to take all their guns away. And, and I know Republicans just jumped on it. Oh, my God. Can you believe a political figure using crack? language i mean come on seriously look in the mirror folks uh but but biden yesterday uh showed the other side of his humanity uh and that is he's a fighter he's a fighter he has the experience i mean i'm i'm about to throw up on my shoes in here you guys are, that was mike barnacle by the talking to joe scarborough joe scarborough's show is an unwatchable piece of trash for which NBC pays him millions of dollars because there's nothing that, that elite libs like more than somebody says they're a conservative and all they, all they do is trash conservatives all day long. There's nothing that they enjoy more than that. It's this, this disgusting, disgusting performance theater that you see with all these never-Trumpers and everything. I mean, it's just it's just gross. Uh, but but notice how they're, this is the kind of misdirection that you're going to have to expect from so many people that are paid to bring you the truth and to bring you facts. Scarborough here is like, oh, they're using the bed. You know, I can see, I always picture Scarborough now. And I'm a guy who, you know, I know something about hair. But Scarborough has got that, like, he's got the swoop that's clearly been blow-dried to make it a, the, the biggest, swoopiest swoop possible. It's like, settle down, buddy. Settle down. Go write another really bad rock song. So he immediately misdirects from the real objection to this exchange that Biden has coming from people like me who are saying Biden is wrong on all the facts. Everything he said there was wrong. Everything Biden said was wrong and dumb. He's wrong on all the facts. He's irascible. He's rude. He offers to go fight. By the way, that union worker would kick his ass. We all know. So what, what, what is that supposed to be? You want to step outside, buddy? Uh, no, Biden really doesn't want to step outside with that guy. OK, really stupid thing to say. Of course, he's got a Secret Service detail there with them, and the whole thing. <sighs> or he's got whatever, the campaign staff, whoever, whoever's with him now. No, he's uh, XVP. I, mean, I think he's got Secret Service protection for life. So I'm sure he has Secret Service there. He is a real tough guy, that Joe Biden. Yeah, it's garbage. But they make it sound like the thing that we're, oh, they're pearl clutching over him saying a naughty word. No, we're not. We're not pearl clutching. We're laughing. We're giggling. And also a little bit concerned for the future of the country if the wrong decision is made this fall, that this, this complete and utter imbecile, this used shamwow salesman of 50 years named Joe Biden, who just gives you whatever he has to give you to get whatever he needs to get at any point in time. Somebody who has had to drop out of running for the presidency before because of dishonesty and because of plagiarism. Somebody who has brought us into the hyper-partisan and weaponized uh, Supreme Court battles of today, where now it's just, you know, you know that one, that the Democrats are going to Kavanaugh people. that used to be called Borking, now it should be called Kavanaughing. He was the first one to start that with Justice Thomas, right? And oversaw it with 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 Robert Bork. I mean, he's not a good guy, folks. Not good. But man, they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to make it sound like he's just fine. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. 
he, he got into a verbal altercation, you know, with that factory worker. He used some, some profane language. One side of the desk said, hey, it was, it, it, it was good for him. He showed strength. The other side said maybe he went too far. What's your take on that moment today? When I saw that moment, when I saw that moment, I thought this is going to be a net plus for Joe Biden. I've been through so many campaigns with so many candidates that have had moments like that. And everybody thinks, oh, my gosh, what just happened in this environment at this time for Joe Biden? That's going to be a net plus in this. One of the things that we learned through the Donald Trump election is voters are sick of the typical political speak, the typical way where you phrase everything perfectly and say it just right and speak in paragraphs and do all of that the way that we've gotten used to these sort of manufactured candidates that have everything put down perfectly well. Voters want somebody that they can trust and is genuine and has has uh, has a believability. And that moment to me, taking on this on an issue that's important to most Americans, which is guns, where majority of the country supports where Joe Biden is on this issue, was a moment that I thought will be captured. The Democratic Party will love it and independent voters who question whether Joe Biden has the strength to take on Donald Trump are going to see that in him. So I think. OK, can we stop plus. this clip? I, I can't. I just can't. OK, I, I can't handle that anymore. I'm sorry. I thought that clip was half the like that it was. That's Matthew Dowd at ABC, the dumbest political analyst on TV. Everything he says is wrong. Everything he tells you is going to happen doesn't happen. He is the worst. He's now a registered independent because that's how he has to play the game. So he can be a never Trumper who used to he worked on the Bush campaign. I think he was Bush campaign director in 2004, something like that. Now he's an independent, though. That guy's just an establishment hack. You know, whoever writes the biggest check, that's that's whose politics he shares. And he's he's a jerk and he's an imbecile. So I'm sorry that that clip went as that's my fault. I gave producer Mark a longer version. I just wanted to get to the point where he's going, you know, it's a net plus for Joe. It's a net plus for Joe Biden. Net plus. It's not a net plus. Joe Biden looked like a moron. And then afterwards, he sounded like somebody who, you know, had had the blue plate special taken away from him too quickly at 5 p.m. down in Florida. I mean, give me a break. The net plus for Joe Biden. These are the people who are telling us that Trump's gruff way of talking and the fact that Trump speaks off the cuff is terrible. Oh, it's so unpresidential. Now, because Joe Biden stumbles over his words and sounds like he's having some kind of an attack sometimes, they're going to have to come up with something. So it's, yeah, he's just he's just raw and authentic, man. That's Yeah, it's a net plus for Biden. Oh, God, that was the worst. The worst. Forget Anna Navarro. Matthew Dowd, dumbest political analyst on TV. He has the crown. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this was unexpected. This was something that came out of China, and it uh, hit us and many other countries. You look at the numbers, I see the numbers with uh, just by watching you folks. I see it. It's uh, over 100 different countries, uh, and it hit the world. And we're prepared, and we're doing a great job with it, and it will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. We want to protect our shipping industry, our cruise uh, industry, cruise ships. Uh, We want to protect our airline industry. Very important. But everybody has to be vigilant and has to be careful. But be calm. It's really working out. And a lot of good things are going to happen. The consumer is ready. The consumer is so powerful in our country with what we've done with tax cuts and regulation cuts and all of those things. The consumer has never been in a better position than they are right now. So a lot of good things are going to happen. Coronavirus continues to keep everybody on edge to varying degrees. The president there giving one of his 
now feels like you know routine every day reassurances to the country that things are going to be okay we're on it be vigilant this is serious but we're working on this we're going to do and all i hear from libs about this is just constant constant carping whining you know, just all kinds of of uh bad faith criticism of what the administration is doing and what trump specifically what trump is saying all the time oh he doesn't take it seriously oh he says it's a hoax we could sit here all day. I can just play clip after clip after clip of the president saying, look, it's serious. We're on it. We're doing what we can. Here's what we're doing. This is unsettling because it's a reminder that there are some things now, or rather that there are no things left in this country uh, about which we can count on, especially the left of American politics, to see their Americanness as the more important thing than their partisanship. If it's, if it's not this, I don't know what it could be. There's plenty of time. You know, it's not like the election is next week. It's not like the election's next month. They have plenty of time to make their case about how Trump handled this once we see how it has been handled. That's not what they're doing. They're starting before and saying, he lies, he lies, you know, all this stuff. You know, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. And the rest of us are looking around saying, okay, I mean, so far, so far, Coronavirus has been, in terms of the health of this nation, a minimal disruption that could change, could change next week, could change next month. But so far, it has been minimal. And if you say that, you have all these people that jump down your throat. Oh, but Trump doesn't know. Oh, here's a perfect example. Play clip 14. Now, I'm going to be blunt. We are very worried about the president's incompetence and lack of focus on fighting the spread of coronavirus. We believe that his lack of focus is hamstringing efforts to address this public crisis and inflicting pain on the stock market. One word could describe thus far the administration's response, incompetence. The best way we would tell the president the best way to ensure economic security right now for the American people is to focus on fighting the illness and the spread of the illness. Ask any CEO today what they want most. I'll bet they tell you they want the coronavirus to be contained. So much slimy dishonesty from Schumer, but that's that's his brand. I mean, that is what Schumer is, a dishonest, grotesque, shameless politician that's all he is notice how he says the administration he keeps talking about the administration's incompetence how are they incompetent what has been incompetent about this administration now there is some journalism that has been going on about the initial this is one of the initial areas where there was all this complaint about the administration about testing about all the testing and now there's a story about a, the, the, a group tied to the Bill Gates Foundation up in Washington. Obviously, Washington has had a whole lot of cases and the most fatalities in the country. They had an outbreak there. There was a group that was doing research into influenza tied to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and they went through the bureaucracy. They went through the FDA and the CDC trying to say, hey, can we switch and start testing for coronavirus, Wuhan virus, much more specific way of talking about this virus. Uh, can we switch to Wuhan virus testing? Because 
uh, right now we have the ability, but we we have private. There are concerns about patient privacy. They haven't given us the right to do this, and also we don't know if our facilities are are certified for that. And and guess what? CDC and FDA, because they're government bureaucracies, were like, nope, sorry, can't do it. Nope, sorry, it's going to take week. No, nope, sorry. And this is actually evidence of how the government, one, can't really protect you for most of the things you need protection from. Two, is slow, lethargic, dumb, and unaccountable. And three, Trump stepping in to try and force things along faster has actually been helpful in a variety of contexts, especially with the travel. See, when I talk about what Trump has done, I, I, I speak of things that he has done. Banning flights from China into the U.S. and, oh, of course, the, the outbreak in Washington that has now killed a few dozen people. Somebody who visited Wuhan province. That's where it came from. So... Do we, did we want more people to come before we knew what we we're dealing with from Wuhan province? More people to come from China and in fact more people in Washington and other states across the country? Because Trump said no, no flights, shut it down. And there were people, oh, the ex experts in the quotes, experts say that this doesn't really do anything, yeah? You want 100 flights a day coming in with people from China? Or you want zero if you live in Washington right now. You want 100 flights coming in every day? From China, if you live in New Rochelle, right here, in New, you know, outside of New York City in a suburb, or you want zero. I think we all know the answer to that. So I can speak of concrete steps the president took. They just speak in these vague, oh, he's terrible, he's incompetent. That's all they say. That's all they offer. Pelosi even thinks this is, <laughs> time for coronavirus jokes. She's, I don't know who's worse, Pelosi or, Pelosi or Schumer. They're both terrible. Play 18. He had contact with Congressman Collins and Congressman Gates, and the president should be tested. Tested for what? For coronavirus. Oh. Yeah. Do you think he should be? I think, I, I thought he should be tested for a long time now. I thought he should be tested. Yeah, she's making a funny, ha-ha, ha-ha. Do you think that if, if someone asked about a Democrat president getting tested for what could be a fatal disease, especially for somebody who's over the age of 70, as Trump is, do you think if if the... The uh, Speaker of the House, who was a Republican, made some joke about, you know, if, if a President Joe Biden faced a similar thing, you think that that would just be, ah, I don't think so. These people, no no honor, no decency, no fair play. So that, that's really the, that's the brand that the left has built for themselves. That's who they are. So I'm never surprised by it anymore, but it still bothers me greatly every time we have to deal with this. So, the, speaking of deal with it, the administration is trying to deal with this, and so they're now talking about measures. I mentioned some of this yesterday in the show, measures to address this, and we are in a situation where it's not going to be free market. It's not going to be, uh, you know, this is not where capitalism is the only thing that comes into play. Government bailouts are kind of a political decision. Let's be honest about it. And they're talking about bailing out some industries and doing some other things here. Here is Vice President Pence. Clearly doesn't think this is a hoax because he's the guy who's coordinating the response. Here's what he says about what we're going to try to do. Play three. We want to make sure that hourly workers, hardworking, blue-collar Americans that may not have paid family leave today, that small and medium-sized businesses in America would be afforded the resources to provide paid leave so that no one would feel that they have to go to work uh, if they might be infected or if they might have been exposed to the coronavirus. Uh, we also talked about um, what are known as N95 masks, and we're working, uh, Senator Deb Fisher and others have important legislation 
that would extend temporary um, uh, liability protections so that masks that are made for industrial use could be sold to hospitals to ensure that our health care workers are properly protected and outfitted. And we're grateful for growing bipartisan support for that measure, uh, and we're going to be working earnestly with Republicans and Democrats to move a, a uh, reform that would make more uh, N95 masks available. I'm also uh, pleased to report that we did receive this afternoon a, a comprehensive proposal from the cruise line industry, a proposal that includes advanced screening, improving medical services on ships, providing for uh, airlift evacuation and land-based care uh, at the expense of the cruise lines for anyone that might be in, not only infected with the coronavirus, but uh, with any serious illness. Is any of that unserious? Does that sound like an administration that's not taking action here? I mean, he's getting into the specifics, talking about upgraded masks for medical facilities, working with specific industries, talking about paid leave for for small and, and medium-sized employers to assist with government, government funds for that. I've even seen reporting they may, and they absolutely should, move back the tax filing deadline. Because right now, everybody's got stuff going on. They're in a panic. They're trying to keep their business afloat. You're going to put us through the insane, the tax code. I mean, I wish I could just light the whole thing on fire and start fresh. It's a, it's ridiculous. But you're going to put us through that mess right now? Really? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's the most important thing to think about. You know, making sure you pull all your receipts together. You see how much the government's allowed to rob you this year. So, yeah, they're, they're taking action. How does, how does Chuck Schumer, remember, I, I played it for you, so you could hear it, very specific things. Paid sick leave, working with industries, improved screening procedures, masks for hospitals, all, all things that are being done that they're working toward now. They've already talked a lot about the testing kits and how they're going to make sure that people can get tested who need to get tested. Um, this is how Chuck Schumer, you know, this is how Chuck Schumer talks about the administration's response. Play two. You know what doesn't help stop the spread of the coronavirus? More corporate tax cuts. Here's what we're worried about. That the president will pay attention to the special interests instead of the people. Here's a headline from the Washington Post. Just came out. 128. White House likely to pursue federal aid for shale companies hit by oil shock. Coronavirus downturn. We don't have enough tests. People can't determine if they're ill or not. They have to wait days, and they're concerned with the oil companies that pierce the shale and get oil. Is that incredible? Maybe they're concerned with all of the above, Schumer, you disgusting liar. And that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. Yeah, they, they don't want, you know, we're concerned about the cruise industry, which I got to be honest with you, is not like a strategic U.S. national security interest. But everyone's like, yeah, I'd feel bad. A lot of you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people lose their jobs if the cruise industry were to just go under. They have very high overhead, very high expenses. No one riding those ships. They got problems. But you want to talk about important U.S. national U.S. industries. We're already looking at how China has to provide so much of our medicine, of our antibiotics, of our, our medical tools and devices. And if we lose access to that for, you know, nefarious or just supply chain reasons, we got big problems. You, you want to watch as Saudi Arabia and Russia 
win a price war against U.S. shale oil producers, so all of a sudden we're going to be dependent on on those dirtbags again? You, you, you know, that's the move? Ugh. You know, Schumer, but it's just a classic Schumer. You know, people don't people don't have enough tests, and they're worried about oil. Um, they're worried about everything. They're worried about the U.S. economy. These are unserious people. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. Their their arguments are stupid. They're dishonest, and they're trying to hurt this country at a time when the rest of us are focused on keeping our fellow Americans alive and keeping our economy going. You want to know what else is something we should think about? Suicides, depression, substance abuse, all of those things spike during an economic recession. People do die when things get really bad, when they lose their job, when they lose their house, when they think they have no future. So, yeah, there are more important things than putting borderline senile Joe Biden on the throne of power, libs. Chuck Schumer doesn't seem to think so. Can't even can't even put... Put it aside, uh, the, the partisan acrimony for a second to just try to be helpful. You heard what Gavin Newsom said. He's like the president said everything. He's done everything he said he would do, helping out the state of California every way we'd want the federal government to. I, I'll, honestly, I'll never think of Gavin Newsom quite the same way. I mean, I used to think he was 100% you know, psycho-lib. Now, now it's more like 90%. Because this, this is a moment where we see who people really are. What are they really made of? You know, I'm telling everybody that to be quiet. I'm reading everything I can. I'm reading all day. All I do is just radio and read and research, and I try to eat some food sometimes, get some sleep, and I still owe producer Mark a hockey game. We'll get there one day when I'm not doing four hours of radio a day. But all, that's all I'm doing is trying to gather as much information on this as I can all the time. And and I'm still here telling you, yeah, I think I, I agree with the president. I think we're going to push through. We're going to be okay. There is a scenario where we do have millions and millions infected with this before we really have a treatment, a, you know, a vaccine, a cure, or the medical infrastructure to handle that kind of influx. And we could lose a lot of people. That's real. That's real. And, you know, Chuck Schumer wants to complain about how, you know, the oil industry, uh, you know, he's not doing enough. Uh. You know, Pelosi's making jokes about how Trump should be tested for coronavirus. That's not funny. These are the people that, remember, these are the people that want to be back in charge because they think they know more than you, they're smarter than you, and if you supported Trump, you're a bad person. You're seeing who they are right now. You're seeing what their character is right now. Don't forget it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Well, look, as the president has said, uh, in our line of work, uh, you shake hands when someone wants to shake your hand. And uh, I expect uh, the president will continue to do that. I'll continue to do it. Uh, what, what this is is a broad recommendation for Americans. Um, but a really good recommendation is to wash your hands often. These are important things to do. They are not sufficient things to do. And I'm just reminded of this. You know, we often say things like, I pray for this country and I, I pray for the president and, and that he will be a better leader. And I was in church last weekend thinking about this because church right now is feels like a place that's, look, let's be honest, it doesn't, it's, it's not safe in terms of the virus does not discriminate, doesn't care if you're in there speaking to God, you can still get coronavirus. And I am, I am worried about our president, our vice president. And yes, I am, and I, and I don't say this with any any sarcasm. I mean, I, I am worried about Pelosi and Schumer. And I mean, you look at the political leadership of this country. 
And we have reached we have reached this point in time where we really seem to think that the only people who can make important decisions about America's future are in their you know early seventies, up to late seventies. Um, that when you have the possibility of this pandemic coming, this worries me. This worries me because no matter what you know measures are taken, and there, we our our ability to fight against this virus, you know, the tools we have to fight this war are are not that good right now. And we have a lot of very important to the function of this country, older people who will be at risk, including our top leadership. So say a prayer for all of them. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I got a public service announcement for everybody. Seriously, people. Please stop panic buying toilet paper. Some of us just want to normal buy it and the shelves are empty. I last night, I have a a grocery delivery service that I use. I'm a a single guy in New York. So, you know, yes, yes, there's a girlfriend, but I mean, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Uh, So I get, you know. I get my, my groceries delivered to me. It's normal in New York. I don't know how many of you do this elsewhere in the country. You have cars. You probably drive the groceries drive. N- no toilet paper. I kept clicking on different, you know. I, I even started going for like that, that sort of like third tier toilet paper that's from reusable something or other. You're like, ooh, on my, that's that's going to, that's going to chafe. <laughs> that's not going to be very nice. None of that either. Can't get toilet paper delivered. First time in my life, and, and then I go to the uh, the the drugstore on my corner, which is like a you know it's a Dwayne Reed. It's one of those big drugstores where you basically can do all your grocery shopping now too, and uh, no toilet paper. And uh, I'm I'm looking around. I'm like I don't. I went on Amazon, couldn't get any toilet paper delivered by Amazon. As I'm going to my neighborhood stores, I'm going online, can't get toilet paper, folks. What what, what is going on here? What what are we trying to do to the Buckster? This is nuts. Producer Mark, do you have a strategic TP supply. If so, you may need to help out your favorite radio host here at some point. Yeah, I have an entire box of it because I go to BJ's, so I went months ago, and I've got like, I think, two or three, you know, things left. Those things are going to be worth more than cigarettes in prison. Yeah. It's crazy. Try getting hand sanitizer. Not, well, that's for, you know, hand sanitizer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in that stuff anyway. Why? That's great because you sanitize your hands while you're breathing in the viral particles in the air. Yeah, I mean, that's that, fair. You know, I mean, it lessens your risk a little bit, but, you know, not I not used enough. hand sanitizer way before the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, so for some people, I think they're just in the habit of using this stuff. Yeah. I hate the smell of it, too. When I'm on the subway and someone starts using hand, by the way, I sneezed on the subway this morning. Oh, no. Oh, I went right into the elbow, right in the elbow. I'm telling you, a dude looked at me like, I will kill you. (laughs) I was like, dude, I'm not sick. I just, I, you know, I had a little, you know, my beard like itched my nose for a second. You know, it was nothing. You can still sneeze without being sick. Like it's possible. Of course. But you sneeze on the New York City subway these days. Everybody, everyone just tenses up and, you know. I'm telling you, you, you can walk on the subway and say anything you want. I mean, you can walk on the subway and you could walk on the subway naked and nobody would care. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no. Oh, naked? No, I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's illegal in De Blasio's New York. I think you can. Huh. I think as long as you I say, think, you know how there's that website weird laws that are on the yeah. books but not enforced. I think you can technically a woman can walk around topless. One hundred percent, I've seen it. But that was like, years and I don't just ago, mean I don't just mean on yeah. dates. Like I've seen it, like on the street, there sure. have been ladies. Yeah, and it's legal. Without, yeah. And they'll walk. They'll walk around as like, and they'll do it. I don't know as like a freedom thing or as a mm. form of protest. But yeah. But it is illegal to uh, 
put your thumb to your nose and wiggle, wiggle your fingers around to a police officer. Are you serious? Yeah, that is a law that's on the books in New York. Really? Yep. Really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that is. A, I swear to you, that is a law that is on the books in New York. I, I'm I'm always kind of amazed that that people who seem to think that that the person who is empowered by the state to arrest you and to use force against you is a good and, and who is carrying uh, a a usually now they're carrying a taser as well as a lot of times I'll have a collapsible baton as well. I think they call them like a Cobra or an, uh, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Those collapsible yeah. They'll have a collapsible baton, they'll have a taser, and they have a loaded loaded sidearm, obviously, and people just love to antagonize them. Antagonize. Now, Is usually- really an antagonization? You're wiggling your fingers at them with your thumb on your nose? Well, I mean, like, that's, I think some officers would probably think that was kind of funny and yeah, stupid. Exactly. But I mean, like, really get up in their faces and be like, you know, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, you yeah. wouldn't do this to a- a person who's just a person walking around with a gun and a and a uh, and a collapsible baton. I, I don't. I'm always amazed when people think to like, yeah, I'm really gonna get into it with a law enforcement officer for no reason, just because I want to show show everybody how tough I am or something. It's yeah, not that good, seems like a little farther than the thumb on the nose. I've got a lot farther than the thumb on the, yeah, thumb yeah. On the I'm just surprised that that's a lot. I would do the thumb on the nose just for, for fun. Since we uh, got you here, and since sure. now we've established that producer Mark is the strategic TP reserve, the penalty <laughs> box has got the toilet paper if needed. Thank yeah. you for that. Um, I feel a little bit better now because I'm I'm starting I'm starting to get a little bit like, what am I gonna do? Use paper towel with like some, some aloe tissues. vera or something? Uh, tissues would work, but are, but can you put tissues in the toilet? It though? depends on how good your plumbing is. Yeah, no, I'm in one of these new buildings yeah. where it's like you know it feels like I'm in you know Tokyo. Everything this stuff is all very modern, but it's not it's not like those old pipes where you could you know fit an alligator in there back in the day. Uh, so. I gotta ask you. There's forty five hundred dollars that is being offered right now to, for the purposes oh, of I know science, with no, inject yourself with coronavirus. I would need a lot more money than forty. Though I would get some time off of work. Well, it's one of these things where you know when you get sick. There's 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 the feeling. I don't know if you I don't know if you share this or not. There's the feeling you have when you get sick, and. You did something like I've gotten sick before where, you know, I was out all weekend partying. I stayed out super late. I was hitting on foreign chicks. I had too many shots. I didn't get enough sleep. I rallied. In. And then like Monday, I've got a sore throat. And it's like, yeah, of course, you idiot. Right. Yeah. And then there are times you're just like being a good dude. You're like, I'm working hard these days. You wake up in the morning. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've got, you know, the flu or something. Right. Think about and I always feel worse when it's the first one. The second one, I'm like, hey, sometimes it's your day. If you took the $4,500 and then you found yourself really sick, how, how do you justify that to yourself? You don't. You know, you're really- Do they pay for your medical bills too? Like, I would assume I that they, I'm assuming if you end up like intubated in the ICU. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's worth the two weeks off of work to get injected with I this. Mean, by the way, did you upload the? I don't think we we did this. Did we get the Italian guy who's complaining about the-, the It was in Italian? Yeah, I know. I wanted it. Oh. I thought you just didn't realize that it was in Italian. No, of course. I realize everything. Well, not everything. I realize most of the time. Because it was English subtitled. So well, I'm... no, I know. But I like it because he's like, hey. Yeah, so that we, there's a, would understand there's audio. I know, but I was going to explain. It's very quick. There's a guy in Italy who's just like, can everyone stop buying all the pasta? This is worse. He says, it looks like he might have lived through it. He says this is worse than it was during World War II. Like you're going into stores. There's nothing there. So he's like, I want my pasta. And, you know, except he says it in Italian. And and he's uh, you know it's quite a quite a scene. Uh, this is how I feel. I'm walking around New York City. I'm I'm trying to find strategic toilet paper supply. It's crazy, man. How's the food looking on the shelves in New York? 
Foods, I mean, I haven't seen any change in that at all. Mm. I do think the subway is a little more sparse than it has been. I agree with you. The trains are the trains are a little bit less. Um, you know, I took that train out to on Long Island Railroad to get the JFK a couple weeks ago, and that train was was absolutely. You know, they couldn't even take our tickets because it was so packed in the yeah, aisles. That's the LAWR. That's crazy. Every was, I, single day, Buck. I felt like I was in the Soviet Union. I'm like, why did I even? I spent ten or twelve bucks on a ticket. I was like, I shouldn't have even done that. There's well, no you can point. Just reuse it. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, okay, you wouldn't take the $4,500, but uh, which of the, have you seen the bad coronavirus cures, the things that people are putting <laughs> yes, out there yet? I have. Which is the dumbest to you? Uh, I think masturbation was on there. Wow. Wow. I mean, come on, that is the dumbest. Uh, I didn't know it was on there. Circle gets the square. <laughs> that's, that's uh, yeah. Woo, I didn't know that was one of them. Man, people really do need to I think just. Kane was on there. They 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 need to get a grip about this stuff. I mean, uh, in yeah, cocaine is on there. That's one that I saw. Uh, wait, here we go. The, the bad coronavirus cures snorting cocaine and drinking bleach. Here's a public service announcement. <laughs> if you had, if you if you had Ebola virus. I would tell you that drinking a large quantity of bleach was, in fact, even more dangerous than having Ebola virus because you'll probably die in a matter of, a, of like a couple of hours. What is wrong with people? How does this stuff get circulated? I really want to know if somebody drank bleach. Oh, I'm sure people do. People are eating the Tide Pods for a while. Uh, that's a good point. People do this stuff. Why? Because if it's on the internet, it must be true. I Yeah, snorting cocaine, drinking bleach, apparently... Autoerotica, which I think is how the scientists describe it. These are all fake things that are also some kind of like a colloidal silver or something I've seen, which I don't even really know what. I think that's like liquid silver. Um, I think people are just so stupid they see a meme. Yeah. And and they don't realize it's not true. People have called in, you know, huge doses of different vitamins, all this stuff. Dangerous, bad, doesn't work. Trust me on this one. If, If there was some cool immunity keeping your immunity high getting enough sleep getting enough rest that's very important that's good you got to do those things you want to keep your immune system as strong as you can but that's a very holistic approach that takes a lot of things uh this other stuff they're talking about like a miracle cure for this no no wow drinking drink uh, this is nuts there's a lot of look there's as you know a ton of irresponsible stuff on the internet and uh, just some other things that are going on right now about coronavirus. Uh, the markets are really waiting on the bailouts. Are the bailouts actually going to happen or not? We have to see. Uh, I think that there will be major government action. They're, the government's going to take out the checkbook and start, you know, really propping up industries, and um, that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, I've already talked about the toilet paper thing. It's in Australia too. Other countries, people are panic. So the problem with panic buying is it begets more panic buying. You know, now I'm somebody who's like, if I see a lot of nice, nice high quality, like the toilet paper with the little bear that's rubbing its face with it or whatever, right? Isn't that, or is that, is that the Downey fabric softener? I'm confused. I that's believe that's Charmin. Charmin. Yeah, yeah. No, that is toilet paper, right? Yeah, Charmin toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. I want the little bear with the, with the thing that's rubbing on the face. You want to use a bear as toilet paper? No, but I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that's the, that's the insignia of the nice toilet paper. Huh. You know, the, the, the others, I'm not going to start calling out brands that are bad, but there are some toilet paper brands where. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like what they have at institutions, like mm-hmm. what they'd have in a university library. You never like that toilet paper. My in-laws have really bad plumbing, so they have like the one-ply bad toilet. Ooh. I can't do that. 
Yeah, you end up you end up you know wrapping that stuff around your hand like you're a mummy. You know, you end up really yeah, using you're basically a lot more wiping with your hand. Whoa, hey, hey, hey! No, I I just go through a whole roll of toilet paper if I have to. We gotta <laughs> we gotta keep it clean. So there's there's a toilet paper issue. Um, this had nothing to do with. Uh, with coronavirus, but as I was looking for updates, health updates, they've also, thank you, science, they've also discovered a completely new strain of chlamydia under the ice in the Arctic. I want to be like, guys, one thing at a time, all right? We're already dealing with coronavirus. We don't need some new super strain of chlamydia that you found drilling in the Arctic. This is a real thing. It's like, can, can we keep, let's keep the chlamydia in the Arctic under the ice where it belongs. Let's not disturb it. Start spreading it around. So, <laughs> just look. I'm, I'm a. I want, I want the public health to be good. I think it's important. Um, and uh, there's also now an effort underway. In, in the city of Newark is saying we were talking about disinformation around this. The city of Newark is saying that if if they find people spreading uh, disinformation about coronavirus, they're going to arrest them. I'm like, well, under what authority do they have to do that? That's that was that was very big, brother. That was a little bit of a, of a surprise. So, look, we're, we're following this. We're on it. Um, I will say this, and maybe we should mark this down as a prediction. I think we're going to be okay. I don't think this is going to be as bad as a lot of people are suggesting it will be overall. We're going to have a day, I'd say, in the next two to three weeks. We're going to have a day where this is really scary. And I'm going to have to come in here and say, all right, everybody, deep breath. I know, you know we got a lot of infections. It's going to happen. Be prepared for that. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to be as out of control and as bad as other people have been saying, but we are not out of the woods. It's we're going to be sometime, I'd say, the first week of April. It's going to get it's going to get ugly out there. It's going to get ugly and then it's going to recede and we'll be okay. But get ready for it. But don't don't panic buy toilet paper. You don't need enough toilet paper for six months. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Honestly, it sounds almost so silly to say, but there's a lot of restaurants that are feeling the pain of racism, uh, where people are literally not patroning Chinese restaurants. Um, They're not patroning Asian restaurants because of just straight up racism around the coronavirus. I love that I can count on AOC to teach me new words that don't exist, patroning the restaurant. Now, maybe this is a, this is a, a slang that I, I have not yet uh, ever been introduced to, but I think she means patronizing, and I think that AOC uh, also didn't learn that much in English class because maybe she was so focused on getting that high school science prize that she was bragging about on Twitter to millions of people a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, but also her her overall contention here that people aren't going into Asian restaurants, mostly Chinese, I mean, I'm assuming Jap- some Japanese restaurants too, Korean restaurants, out of racism just goes to show you that the left really doesn't even understand what racism means anymore. This has been the case for a long time. They've expanded racism beyond what a normal definition of it, what our understood definition of it had been for a long time. If people aren't going to a Chinese restaurant because they're concerned that there have been the highest number of cases uh, in China and that there could be contacts because people could be visiting family, because there could be people traveling back and forth. Now, I know a lot of people would say, Buck, a lot of Chinese restaurants are run by people born in America and never step out. True. But it's not that the people that are worried and they're they're scared. 
they're, they're not worried, or rather, they're not making that decision because they have anything against Chinese people. They don't like Chinese people. That would be racism. They're just scared, and they're making a decision based on fear, but it's fear of getting exposure to a virus that we're all being told by the media right now is going to come for all of us any day now, and it's not in any way rooted in in disdain or distaste or dislike of another race. That's racism. The same problem we've seen now when they discuss how we shouldn't call it Wuhan virus. No, we should call it Wuhan virus because that's what we do. We tend to call outbreaks of different viruses by names that are based in their point of, of origination or at least where they're first discovered. Zika, Lyme, Ebola, West Nile, influenza. Who even knows where influenza comes from as a term? Well, as we know, the flu has probably been around the first description, but I think was the it is believed to have been written about by Hippocrates, the father of the Hippocratic Oath. And it was the cough of I think it was Perinthus in the fifth century B.C. If I get this right, I'm pretty awesome, by the way, because this is we're going deep in the memory banks here. Uh, that was the first time that Hippocrates wrote about what was believed to be a flu. The term influenza, which is where we get flu from, which is how we generally refer to all these different viruses, comes from 14th century Italians who thought that it was the influence, that's influenza, the influence of the stars and, the, and sort of the celestial on people, that that's where the sickness was coming from. Believe it or not, that was in the 14th century what they were thinking that there was some cosmic connection to this and it was the inv- influence of the of the of the stars. So that's where we get the term. I've also talked to you about epidemic and pandemic, right? Epidemic on the people, pandemic all the people, descriptions for severity of outbreaks of these diseases on the people, the demos. Also where we get the word democracy. So AOC saying it's racist is just yet again another time when when wokeness interferes with normal brain function. It's obviously not racist. People are not. Now, it could be wrong. They could be overreacting. But it's not because all of a sudden they've they've discovered that they don't like people from China. It's because they associate people from China with a higher incidence of this disease because it it is the epicenter of this and they just want to limit their exposure as much as possible. You know, we're being told to avoid all people. We're being told to avoid all human contact, you know, with this uh, social distancing policy as much as we can. Although, how much can we really even do that? Uh, when you have people that scared, they're going to make decisions that go above and beyond. I mean, look, I mean, I, I ordered Chinese food last week. I'll go into Chinese restaurants all over the place. I think that that's silly. But I'm just saying it's not rooted in racism. It's just rooted in fear of exposure. People would be afraid. Would I go to Italy right now? No. Am I anti-Italian? No. Am I racist against it? By the way, China is really a, a nationality, not a race, but nonetheless. Am I racist against Italian people? Absolutely not. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. That sentence that was just handed down by this court was obscene. That number was obnoxious. Uh, There are murderers who will get out of court faster than Harvey Weinstein will. Uh, That number spoke to the pressure of movements and the public. That number did not speak to the evidence that came out at trial. That number did not speak to the testimony that we heard. That number did not speak to evidence, nor did it speak to justice. 
I am um, overcome with anger at that number. I think that number is a uh, cowardly number to give. I think the judge caved, just as I believe the jury caved, and I am not happy. So that was the defense. Now, I understand there's always a little bit of a, of a balancing act you have to do here when you're playing sound bites. That was clearly the lawyer for Weinstein. And I know there's a whole other side to this, the side that won the prosecution. But that's just the sound that we had in reference to Weinstein getting 23 years in prison for the uh, sexual assault of two women, you know, years ago. And look, Weinstein's Weinstein, who is a super powerful Democrat, bundler for Hillary, friend of the Obamas, friend of Hillary and Bill Clinton raised millions of dollars for Democrat causes. This guy was the elite lib establishment to a T. Don't forget that. Uh, But, you know, he's a bad guy. All right. I don't don't like his politics. He's clearly a bad human being. And I do think he's getting what he deserves insofar as he he should be punished for, uh, you know, sexual assault on women. I mean, the things that he did... If somebody who wasn't Harvey Weinstein did, would we, people be saying, yeah, you can't like throw a woman down. And when she's saying, you know, no against her will, keep doing things and keep. So, I, you know, I think Harvey Weinstein is going away and, and that's a good thing. 23 years, if we're talking about sexual assault sentences and the severity of this 23 years seems like uh, it, it is longer than most people will get for killing somebody. That's true. It's a lot longer than a lot of people get for manslaughter. It's longer than people often serve for murder, too. So, you know, that usually that's 25 to life, but people will get parole. Now, maybe Harvey Weinstein would get parole, too, but he's in his 60s. He, if this is his sentence, he's, gonna, he's appealing it, but he's going to die in prison. Now, I don't like Harvey Weinstein. I, got nothing, I have nothing favorable to say about this guy. I think he's a, an extreme dirtbag, and I think he did assault women. I don't think it was just that he was using, dangling in front of them the prospect of a better career or whatever, and that they just consented. I think that he, you know, physically transgressed and then would try to cover it up with, oh, no, I just thought that was okay. And, you know, essentially the, you know, he was a, like a habituated date rapist in a sense, right? So he, he, he was habitually doing this, which is why they tried to charge him with uh, being a sexual a predator, which, could, which would have sent him to prison for life. But I, I, I can't help but notice that this reminds me, you know, in the early, Harley Weinstein was one of the first big Me Too, one of the first big Me Too um, cases that came for, that, that came up. And there were a lot of very powerful people that protected this guy, that covered up for him, and they will never be held to account for it. Remember that. NBC News will never be held to account for killing this story. They didn't want to mess with Harvey Weinstein. You know, Weinstein was hiring all these private eyes and detectives and stuff, too, to go after him. He's a really scary, really bad guy. So, you know, okay, fine. Rod in hell, Harvey Weinstein. No problem with that. The sentence does feel like it's a little bit of a political, there's a little bit of a political message being sent as well for the, you know, for the, the Me Too era and, and all that. I mean, you know, if he got 10 years, I'd say, yeah, that's what I would have guessed, 10 to 15. How much do we really care, though? The guy's in his late 60s. I mean, if he serves 15 years, he's really not going to spend much time on the outside anyway. Um. All that to be all that said, though, there and I, I've said this before, and this is separate from the specifics of, or rather, I'm separating myself from the specifics of the Weinstein case here to this one factoid, 
which is that now Weinstein's case has established that a, a woman can claim years after the fact that she had a consensual sexual relationship with somebody and at some point or any point before or during that admittedly consensual sexual relationship, that person, that man, committed a felony rape assault for which his life should be ruined and he should go to prison for decades. In Harvey Weinstein's case, that seems like it's probably true and appropriate, right? Like that, that's okay, he's a bad guy. Do any of you doubt, given what we saw with Kavanaugh, which was when all, you know, Ronan Farrow was called into service on that one, you know, the, a lot of the Me Too machinery they tried to use to throw at Kavanaugh to destroy him. At some point, and I can't tell you when, and, you know, maybe people might forget that I'm making this prediction, but just give it some time, you will have a very powerful uh, movement. A, a, a person who is important for the left to destroy will have a, a woman come forward who has had a consent, who had an admittedly consensual sexual relationship with that person, and she will claim that you know one night when when they were uh, you know maybe a little drunk or they had had a fight and you know he thought it was okay and she said you know you'll get it there'll be this sort of gray area thing and they'll say you know which, which usually would be adjudicated. In a way where you'd say, okay, well, I mean, if you if you think that somebody did this and the next day you tell them you love them and you continue to have sex with them for the next, you know, five years, how did they really commit a a felony, a felony rape against that person? You know, that would have been the thinking before. The thinking now will be different. You're going to have someone, you're going to have some guy, I'm guaranteeing you, if this happens, it will be somebody the left wants to destroy. And you'll have a woman come forward and say that there was a... Uh, that I had a long-term sexual relationship with this person, but one time he raped me, and the entire apparatus will come forward and say, rapist must be destroyed. And be, now, is it possible to rape somebody in the confines of a, of a, of a marriage? For, of course it is, right? You know, th- I'm not saying this isn't possible. I'm just saying that it will no longer be considered really a defense if the person the next day was saying, Literally, I, I love you. You're my sun, my moon, and my stars, and we need to continue to have sex together, and everything is fine. That 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 was not a that did not sway the jury in the Weinstein case. That that seems to me to be a change in the way that we'll be thinking about these kinds of trials going forward. But it's only going to be a change that is unjust when it is applied for reasons of essentially you know assassinating someone's character for political reasons. It's going to happen. This is going to be the the new, you know, the next time it won't. Because and really, in a sense, they they tried something. You know, they tried this having women come forward to lie about Kavanaugh. That was a political hit. They were liars. They were they were completely. There were women who were delusional, but they were weaponized by the left to take down a very important target. Uh, what you're going to have will be somebody who you know people get very angry when when relationships end. People get very angry uh, after a divorce. You know, messy divorce. And if, you know, uh, a target of the left, you know, if they can find some someone who, you know, really hates. I mean, I know people who have called who have tried to get their exes thrown into prison. I know people who have, you know, lied to the police about it. I mean, people do really bad stuff here. Now you can say, oh, yeah, well, he 
this one time, you know, I said no and, and he didn't listen and he raped me. And even though we lived a happy life for five years after the fact and we were, you know, married even or whatever. Nope, that one time I, I want to I want that adjudicated. Now that we're divorced and I hate him and, you know, he's a, a high profile target for whatever reason. I want that adjudicated as a as a rape claim. I, I look, we had we had Christine Blasey Ford come forward, could not even prove that she had ever met Kavanaugh. Never mind that he'd assaulted her. Couldn't no, nobody could even prove that that even ever happened. That they were in the same place. That didn't know where it was. Didn't know when it was. Didn't know how she, how she got home. But the narrative was, yep, no, he assaulted me, and everyone said, oh, we have we. She must be believed, even though the facts were all that she shouldn't be believed. Now think about how easy it will be if someone chooses to to say, if they if they are scorned or if they hate somebody they used to have a relationship with, and they really want to get even, and this does happen in life. This does happen. Uh, there was one time when, and, and even though the relationship continued, I was very happy and said I was very happy, and we continued to have a sexual relationship. There was this one time. That's a legacy of this case that I don't think a lot of people see, but, and maybe I'm, I could be wrong. Maybe this is just a one-off and the, and the dirtbag Harvey Weinstein goes away forever and, you know, everything is fine. This never happens. But I used to go on radio saying they were going to weaponize me too, and they did against Kavanaugh. I could see this getting added into that. That's all I'm trying to... I'm making a prediction about the future, not a commentary on specifically whether Weinstein's guilty. I think Weinstein is guilty. But in terms of what's going to happen going forward, this case has real ramifications. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. It's time for Roll Call. Hey, team, I have a request. Um, so I'm doing this show on WOR. Those of you who are listening on podcast, um, it's a New York-specific show, but download it, will you? Check it out. 710WOR.com slash buck. Uh, it's not It's not the same as this show. It's a different hour. It focuses more on New York-related stuff. But especially if you're in the New York area, it would be really helpful. We'd love to see those numbers go up a little bit because that's uh, we got a lot of people, a lot of eyes on that show as well as this show. This show grows all the time. Thank you very much, team, for passing the buck. We want that show to grow, too, because that will be helpful for all. Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Crystal, first up here. Hey, Buck, who names the podcast? They're witty, and I enjoy them. Shields high. Well, Crystal, we have a very unique and intricate naming system for the podcasts. I sit here right after the show, and I just throw some things out there to producer Mark. And if I get one chuckle from him, we're probably going to do it. If I get two chuckles from producer Mark, then I know we're golden, right? I think that's how we do it. Yeah, I'm in a great mood today, so you might get a lot of chuckles. Yeah, exactly. He, you, yeah. Were, you were in kind of a good mood today. Yeah, you, you didn't ask why. Yeah, well, I'm asking now. My basketball team, the Hofstra Pride, they won their conference tournament last night. Well, congratulations. They're going to the NCAA tournament, going to the dance. Uh, so Hofstra, okay. Yeah. How's Rutgers doing? Uh, Rutgers uh, has the Big Ten tournament this week. Oh, so they are on this week. Yeah, they're okay. on a different level. They're a high major. Hofstra just a mid major, so ah, have okay. to win the conference tournament. Was to it get a good? Was it a good game for Hofstra? Uh, what do you like? A, what do you mean a good close game? game? Like was yeah, it, a- it was a fairly close game till the end. They won okay. three games in three days. And they won the tournament. Oh, very nice. Oh, there we go. I'm okay. excited. But yeah, that's how. If, if producer Mark goes. <laughs> Then I'm like, it's pretty good. If he laughs twice a little bit, then I know it's awesome. And if he doesn't laugh at all, I'm like, we'll try another one. Yeah, we'll try another basically. one. That's our system. Steven, 
Hey, Buck, there actually is a Grand Theft Auto movie. Ryan Reynolds is one of the canned characters who turns into a player in the movie. Is that true? Is there a Grand Theft Auto movie? Or is he I'll, thinking Gone in 60 Seconds is the Grand Theft Auto movie? Because that's not the same thing. I, I didn't know about this. I'm, I'll Google it and see if it's true. Oh, okay, yeah, let me know. I didn't know about that. I'm thinking these days, especially if I have to go like you know, hunker down other than doing radio and not socialize with people, which doesn't actually sound all that bad, uh, maybe I would get a, maybe I get a PS4 and start playing video games again. I've given up video games for a, mm. for a long time. I'll, I'll occasionally, once in a rare while, if I'm with my two brothers, because we grew up all playing video games together, we'll play some kind of a sports game. But I don't know. I feel like if I get a PlayStation, I'm just going to stop doing all the books and reading and research and just start getting really good at Call of Duty. Oh, yeah, there's times where I just don't want to do anything. It's like, I'm just going to play video games for five hours. Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> I got to say, it sounds like a nice vacation for the brain. Doug, Buck, since resorting to personal abuse in an argument is a sure sign you've lost the argument, can we presume every dembecile has lost every argument from the start since they're always resorting to that kind of abuse, personal insults, epithets, and character assassination? Um, Doug, sure. I give you that. I give you my blessing on that one. Go for it. Taylor, with such high praise from Gavin Newsom toward Trump and Pence, this would be the best time for Trump to fly to California and do a joint press conference with him. Trump will lead the conversation and lead Newsom into praising him, not just for this, but for all the good things the media never reports on in California. Trump is not afraid to carry his shield into California. Um, Taylor, that's interesting. I don't think Newsom would do that. It would be considered brand damaging for him if he did, I'm sure, but it'd be interesting. Look, I, I thought what Newsom had to say about the president was very responsible and, and even borderline gracious, or maybe just gracious. Uh, so it is possible. Even, even psycho libs sometimes can put on their reasonable hat and be honest brokers about what the president's doing and what's going on. And I said to you before, I'm still surprised at how dishonest and how unhinged the conversation was when I was on Bill Maher the last time, because the first time we were actually able to have a real exchange. The second time, I just it's just like libs shouting at me and shouting nonsense, and they're wrong about everything. They're just wrong about everything. What are you going to do when people are just wrong about everything? I mean, you can try to debate them, but how is that going to work? You know, if we can't if we can't agree, there's a man in the window or not. How, what do we do? Jill, I am so convinced that the big push for Biden endorsements will lead to a Hillary Rodham Clinton presidency, right? Could he choose her as his running mate and reap the votes of the sad losers that got ousted in 2016? Then Biden will become POTUS, then declared unfit to be POTUS, which he already is, in my opinion. And bada bing! Hillary Rodham Clinton will be the first woman president. I feel I feel the wheels turning in that direction. Am I off? Jill, you're not alone. Uh, the great political mind and uh, pugilist... James Woods has been saying this on Twitter quite frequently. So, yeah, I think you could be right. Um, I, I can't say you're wrong. It's, it makes sense to me. Rick Buck, thanks for doing your homework. It's refreshing to listen to you dive into the topics of the day. Uh, mantra free. I'm originally from Oregon, and I was able to pass the buck behind enemy lines to my buddy Jeff, who has to put up with Governor Brown's socialist experiments. Several Oregon country, uh, counties are trying to secede to Idaho, uh, Libs in Portland will never allow it, but if you believe in miracles, you and producer Mark can hit the Idaho coast in 2021. Can't wait for producer Mark's segment, Shields High. Well, you know, producer. the problem, we want to do a producer Mark segment. The only issue we've had is that he's busy producing the show, and he's also got a new wife who expects him to, like, do husband and wife things sometimes, like be home and be present for meals, right? So 
that sometimes can be a bit of a drain on you doing additional things as much as now the people have spoken and they want more they want more producer mark i mean listen if the people want a producer mark segment then producer mark will do a segment it's right. i don't want to steal buck sexton's time and no man are you kidding me yeah. it would be great we'll we call it the penalty box i think it would be a lot of, i think it'd be a lot of fun actually i really do also want to thank all the folks who listen out in Portland, Oregon on KEX. Uh, you guys are a fantastic audience for us because, you know, we we're mentioning Oregon before. And I know Portland is crazy left-wing territory these days, but KEX out in, out in Portland, we really, really appreciate you all listening. And please tell other folks to tune in. Um, give some more shout-outs to some other, some other peeps this week who... Uh, other other stations, other of our affiliates that are really having strong showings. Team Buck is growing and growing in these areas. Uh, that's going to be the show for today, team. Talk to you tomorrow. Shields high.